Live to tape from the Piscataway, New Jersey Tech Corridor, this is Rutgers Scoutcast episode 61. 61's a good movie, by the way. You should check that out. I am your host of the Rutgers Scoutcast, Sam Hellman. I'm going to begin this show with a thank you to all of my listeners. I went away for a little while, and from looking at the numbers, I guess you guys missed me because... I was happy to see most of the people that have been subscribed, that have been following the show, jumped right back in. So thank you for sticking with us. We've been doing this podcast for over a year now, and I would love to keep that going for another year. And that doesn't happen without your support, so thank you. The other way to support this show, as many of you know, as I've mentioned, even if you're not an iPhone guy, you go into that Apple Podcasts on your computer Toss us a five-star rating. Toss us a review so that I can make this show better. If there's something that you think I can do better, let me know. Another thank you to the listeners for responding to my plea for mailbag questions. I certainly don't like to beg, but I did last week, and I got a ton of questions, so I've actually picked out a couple of them. We're going to do an extended mailbag this week. Probably take five or six of your questions and discuss those. So the format of this show, however, first... As it says when you clicked download or clicked play, uh, Jalen Chapman is my guest. Jalen Chapman, if you don't follow recruiting, is the quarterback commitment to Rutgers in the class of 2018. He's from Narbonne High School out near Los Angeles in California. Jalen Chapman committed to Rutgers during an unofficial visit about a month ago, a little less than a month ago. And he could be back on campus pretty soon. Stay tuned and listen to my conversation for more on that. Quarterback recruiting is very important. It's more important and it's a different style of recruiting than most other positions on the field. A lot of players, especially when you're talking about wide receivers, uh, running backs, tight ends, are hesitant to commit or consider a school if they don't know who that quarterback is in the class. Now, If you're Rutgers and you have true freshman Jonathan Lewis coming in and you can kind of sell some kids without a quarterback, say, well, you're going to play with this guy for at least three years, great. You can do that. But it always helps to have a a charismatic quarterback leader in your recruiting class. Jonathan Lewis was huge for that for Rutgers last year, and I think Jalen Chapman is going to do that as well, and you're going to hear from him in just a minute. Jalen comes on the show to talk with me, coast-to-coast conversation. After you hear from Jalen Chapman with our traditional interview format, Brian Doan's going to stop by for a discussion of what's going on at Rutgers. We're going to go back to our normal news format. So Jalen Chapman is coming up right now. Then you'll hear from Scout National Recruiting Analyst Brian Doan. Then you're back with me in the tech corridor for an extended Q&A, and we'll close out the show. As always, you can contact me, shelman at scout.com at Sam Hellman Scout, and also now on Facebook. That's right, we've joined the year 2005. We have a Facebook fan page, Scarlet Report. Go ahead and find us and toss us a like. That's all totally free stuff. Anything free on our website that is not behind a paywall will also appear on the Scarlet Report Facebook. So for those of you that subscribe but are not Scarlet Report members, first off, shame on you. Second off, that Facebook page is probably a better thing to like or follow than what we do on Twitter, which also includes the content for our premium members. Okay, that was a lot of talking. I'm done talking. It's time for Jalen Chapman to start talking. Here he is, the quarterback commit for Rutgers in 2018. 
All right, joining us now on the Rutgers ScoutCast, it is the quarterback of 2018 for Rutgers football, all the way in California, Jalen Chapman. What's going on, man? I'm doing good. How about yourself? <laughs> We're doing great in Jersey, just hoping to hoping to get the weather a little bit better for the rest of camp season. How are things going out west? Everything's good. Just getting ready for summer practices and workouts. For uh, for people that don't know, what is the spring and summer like for California football players? Every region kind of has a different schedule with how they work out and what they do. Yeah, out here, um, right now uh, we have uh, break for finals. So uh, right now I'm training at this place called Velocity out here in South uh, in the South Bay, trying to get stay in shape and uh, get stronger as much as I can. I mean, three hours for five days a week throughout the summer. So no days off for you. You're all work. You're all business. Yes, sir. So it's been some time now since you committed to Rutgers. How's life been going? How do you feel about your commitment now that you've had some time to really sit and enjoy it? I'm really happy about my commitment, and I think that's the first fit for me as a quarterback and a student. And I'm very happy about it. I've heard some people kind of compare you to JT Barrett as far as how you fit in that Rutgers-Ohio State scheme? Is that something that you think is fair? How do you fit that offense? I think I fit it very well with my skill set and my ability. And I just want to uh, – and they're going to they're gonna put me in the best situation for me to execute an offense. Uh, what, what made you decide to commit on that visit? Because I know that – you were thinking of maybe deciding later, but then by the time you were at the airport, you were all Rutgers. So what what kind of sold you on Rutgers at the end of the day? Um, after after the whole visit and seeing everything and talking to all the co- all the coaches and having personal meetings with all the uh, offensive side of the ball, and they really they really uh, liked me. And they said I was a perfect trip for them, and they showed it. They uh, made a little video comparing me to some of the uh, some of the past players, and I think it was a perfect for me as a quarterback. How did that comparison go? Like, who were they comparing you to? What What did they tell you about their vision for you? He had them at uh, Northern Illinois. Jerry, uh, Jerry Kill had them. We were just showing our similarities in the offense that he had there, and fit perfectly. Yeah, it's, it seems like you have a good skill set. Um, I know you can run, you can throw, you put up great stats last year, but where do you think you're best as a quarterback? Like, what is uh, what is that one quality that makes you a special player? Do you think? Um, my ability to lead and control control everything that possibly can make plays. My accuracy. It's interesting that you mentioned lead because that that's so important with quarterbacks. How how are you trying to lead in recruiting? Because Rutgers has offered all these guys in California now. You're kind of the face out there. What are you telling guys about Rutgers back home? Well, basically, uh, they don't really know much about Rutgers yet. I've been talking to a lot of the players who have been interested in the offer. And they've talked to me about how the big win, how the coaches, and just the whole town, the school. I've been telling them uh, how I feel about it. I really love it out there. Already, I, I might visit again, too, but, and bring a couple of them with me, but I'm not for sure yet, but hoping that I can. Yeah, I was going to say, it it's, can't be that easy to schedule all that traveling, but how how often are you going to try and be at Rutgers before you start school there? 
So, are you a guy that plans on enrolling early? Yes, I will be enrolling January. Wow. So, so we're talking now, and and you're a college student in six months. Is that a little crazy to think about? A little bit. How how much are you looking forward to learning from Jerry Kill? What do you think of him as a, just as a man and as a coach? I think he's a great guy, very a very good coach. Uh, he knows he knows what he's talking about and uh, what he wants to do on offense, and he's very offensive mind. I'm really excited to work with him. Once again, we're talking here with Jalen Chapman, the Rutgers quarterback commit, a big time addition for Rutgers. This spring, Jalen, thanks for joining us. Rutgers is showing interest in adding a second quarterback in this class. Are you excited to add that kind of competition? Are you a guy that wants to be pushed for that starting job? Yeah, I love competition. I love competing. I wouldn't mind that at all. It's going to bring out the best of me. And then, Jalen, I asked the same three questions at the end of every interview. These might be a little tough for you because Rutgers is still new. But my favorite thing to ask people is who their favorite Rutgers player is. Is there a guy from Rutgers that you really like, whether he's there now or someone maybe you watched when you were a kid or something like that? Uh, when I visited, um, I saw like, a lot of highlights on that. But, uh, he was number one, though. So Janarian Grant? Yes, that's his name. Janarian Grant, is, uh, he's electric. Yeah. That's a good answer. So the second question here, and I, I think I'm going to guess – this is an easy one for you, but when you think about Rutgers, what's your favorite memory that comes to mind? Is it the day you committed? Yes. What What about that and day? I, what about that day is special to you? Um, I just got to really know all the coaches and how they want to use. They show me that they really have a lot of interest in me and want really believe in me as a player. Great. And and the last question I have for you, Jalen, and again, thank you for joining us and giving Rutgers fans a little bit of insight into the quarterback that they're going to be seeing play on Saturdays pretty soon. Jalen, if if you get to eat one meal at Rutgers, what's your go-to? Was there a place you really liked during your visit, or do you have a favorite restaurant or anything like that? Yeah. Um, I'm, a, I'm a food expert here, so if you can give me a hint, I'll figure it out. Yeah, I know all the Rutgers stops. I had this. I think brisket. Uh, did you go to Brother Jimmy's Barbecue? Yeah. See? I, yeah. yeah brother Jimmy's. Uh, delicious. I need to go back. <laughs> cool, Jalen. Well, hey, I, I appreciate you joining us today. Do you have any message for the Rutgers fans? I'm excited to wear that color in red and chill out for everybody. All right, Jalen. Well, thank you for the time, and I know Rutgers fans are really excited to finally have that quarterback in the class, and I know you're excited to be committed to Rutgers football as well. Yes, I am. Thank you. Bye. Thanks again to our guest this week, quarterback commit Jalen Chapman. Maybe you'll be seeing him again on campus soon. Make sure to not tweet him and thank him for being on the show because you know that we're against that. Instead, why don't you go ahead and tweet Brian Doan, who's joining us now. <laughs> Brian, uh, I know you enjoy California editions. You spent a little time out there. You think Jalen Chapman was a good guest? I think he's an outstanding guest. Uh, you know, hopefully he'll turn into that good of a quarterback for the Scarlet Knights. Smart kid, leader. It really comes across in the interview. You can really tell what kind of kid he is and his willingness to continue to recruit 
and talk about Rutgers with his teammates is really big. I guess we'll just stay on the topic of recruiting here. So our recruiting spotlight returns this week, and this time that spotlight shines upon an emerging prospect out of South Jersey, and that is Timber Creek's Dion Jennings. Dion Jennings picked up a Rutgers offer earlier this week, was one of the top performers at Saturday's Rutgers Skills Camp, familiar name to the fans, familiar school to the fans. Brian, what do you think about going after a guy like Dion Jennings? It's funny that Rutgers wound up offering him because, Sam, you and I were at the Under Armour camp at St. Joseph Montvale, what, end of May? Sure. And we spoke with Dion's dad, for those that don't remember, Adonis Jennings, the receiver from Timber Creek who originally committed to Rutgers, then went to Pitt, then transferred to Temple. His dad was always pro-Rutgers. And even when he was transferring from Pitt, his dad was a big part of him that wanted him at Rutgers. Anyway, the point is, we were talking about Dion at that camp with him, and I watched Dion move, and... I think he grows into a linebacker, and I thought he had a chance to pick up some offers in the camp season, and I spoke with his dad, and his dad was talking about taking him down to the Under Armour camp again in Maryland, but they weren't getting the invitation that they wanted, and I had said, you know, pick some team camps to do, because that's where you can get some offers in June. Lo and behold, he winds up picking the Rutgers camp, gets the offer, but between the offer and when I saw him at the Under Armour camp in St. Joe Montvale, I reached out to his coach, Rob Hinson, who we all know, and I said, what do you think, Rob? He said, one of the real under-the-radar kids that this kid has a chance to really blow up. He, he's gotten bigger. He's found his way on the football field. He's just ready to mature. And I said, what do you think? He goes, outside linebacker. I said, really? He goes, yeah, outside linebacker. I said, yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking of, too. Um, just ho- hoping that he would grow into it. So we'll see. that The offer did not surprise me. Uh, the family, especially Dion's dad, really likes Rutgers a lot. Obviously, people are going to see that and remember Adonis Jennings and I would assume that most Rutgers fans have negative memories of Adonis's two recruitments, I guess you would call them. I don't hold a lot of that against Adonis Jennings. He was lied to. He was not in a good... Uh, he was not treated very well after his commitment, and he decided to move on. And the other thing is, brothers aren't... It, it's not like just because you're a brother, you're the exact same person. Uh, he's a different... Dion's a different kid. He seems very interested in Rutgers. Adonis was too, obviously. And he's also a kid that I don't think, from talking to him and from talking to Rob Henson, I don't think he really wants to drag this thing out too long. I think he just wants to pick a school and have this over with and know he's going to college for free somewhere. Look, when we're going to talk about Adonis Jennings and what happened, I put zero blame on Adonis Jennings. You and I were with Adonis the morning that he announced his commitment. He's sitting in a golf cart over on the I am feels at Rutgers at the end of a camp. And I said, hey, are you close? No, nah, not at all. Goes in, meets with the coaching staff, is told by the head coach, hey, jump on board because we're taking one, we're still going to recruit one other receiver, Saeed Blacknell, but we're, you know, after that, if you jump on board, we're done recruiting receivers. And so he jumped on board and Rutgers proceeded to try and recruit three or four more right, receivers. And Freddie Simmons committed a month later. Right. And that was kind of a Yeah, and then there was the Kendrick Edwards kid out of Florida. 
um, you know, but there were a bunch of, of, of things. And, and on top of that, I remember being down at a game watching Timber Creek's opener, and I said to Rob Henson, I said, so what's up with Adonis? He goes, man, the offensive coordinator hasn't called him in two months. I, I, I'm sorry, he hasn't talked to the offensive coordinator in two months since he committed. So I don't blame him for that. And the dad did everything he could to rectify that situation, but it just didn't work out. And then you look at Dion, and it's different. It's a new staff. It's a new energy. Everything is different. So one should have nothing to do with the other. Go go back. This is, I guess, more for our members because you need to be a member to look at some of this stuff. If you're not a member, again, I highly recommend you tweet me or shoot me an email, and I'll hook you up with an extended free trial. We have a lot of cool opportunities coming up. But anyway, go back and look at some of the stuff that do up Damon Mitchell. Go check out his profile. See the stuff he said about what it was like as a recruit in high school dealing with Rutgers and what it was like as a graduate transfer recruit dealing with Rutgers. It's the same time frame because Duop Mitchell was in that same general recruiting time frame as Adonis Jennings. Now he went through it in the same general time frame as Dion Jennings. Very different vibe. And I think that also they're both South Jersey guys and they like to argue about which creek is the best creek and everything. Oh, that's a good argument. It's I'm going to have to bring that up with both coaches. It, well, they that's going to get really loud over the summer once all the new creek fellows join the program. But Cedar and Timber. Exactly. If Cedar Creek happens to topple Timber Creek, when Timber Creek's falling, what would they yell? Well, is anyone there to see it? Because you might not even hear the sound. That's a fair point. My point is that things are very different now. And I wouldn't hold what happened five years ago against... I just would try and pretend that that never happened and treat this There's as a lot of people that are trying to pretend that four years never happened. Continuing on with the news here. I hope everyone enjoyed the camp coverage that you've gotten over the last four to five weeks. Specifically in the last week with... Brian, you covering Under Armour camp activity and me covering Rutgers camp activity. I thought it would be a good idea on the show to give people a little behind-the-scenes look at what camps are actually like. You know, it's not a, it's not like we're going to day camp with your kids or going to baseball camp or anything like that. It's I don't think people really know what goes into camps a lot of the time unless they've had a kid that's gone through it or they're a former prospect themselves. So... From a reporter aspect, Brian, what do you what do you look for when you go to a camp? How do you approach the day when, say, hypothetically, you're covering a Rutgers one day camp? Well, I think the first thing you look at is you know you're going to have an idea on who's there just from talking to recruits and coaches. So you're going to make sure you know who they are. But what I like to do, to be honest, is I, I like to go in almost with a blank slate, and you don't know who some kids are. And then they'll just pop out to you for some reason. There'll be some kid who's got great size. And then you'll watch him move and you'll be like, ugh, that's not going to work. And then other kids you'll see move and you'll be like, holy cow. And so that's what I'm looking for is is I'm looking for guys that pop out, flash. You'll always hear coaches talk about, does he flash? And so you're looking at kids like that. And then as the day moves along, you're not going to be able to see every kid that you want to and really evaluate, but when the way camps work, and it doesn't matter if it's a school camp or if it's Nike or Under Armour, 
eventually the best players wind up going against the best players. And you'll see that elite group. And then you may see somebody away from that elite group and you'll be like, hey, we got to get this kid over into this elite group. And so, so you're looking for that, but you're, you're basing it first on, you know, does anybody jump out to you size-wise or when you watch him run or when you watch him move? And I think the best example is I will never forget, I had no idea who Kamoko Ture was. And I walked into the bubble, went to the right, and started walking along the, the far wall on the right, and they were doing the broad jump. And this kid jumped so far, I was like, you got to be kidding me with this. It just looked... And it's not like I was sitting there watching a bunch of other kids. It just looked incredibly far. And that's how I found out who Kamoko Ture was. It's just things like that just pop out to you. I always, I guess, I'll, I'll explain the general format of a Rutgers camp the way it works right now. They do registration in the bubble. So the first hour and a half of camp is literally it's people standing in lines, running 40s, coaches being boring and talking about boring things. But in that first hour and a half where you're there, you can eyeball kids, see, oh, he looks like a player. You can kind of go through your checklist of people you expected to be there and who you recognize. And then they break off into the position drills. They do it on multiple fields, so it's hard to see everything. I I decided to focus on skill players at the first camp because the only lineman that I really cared about seeing or that mattered to me was Chris Banks, and I'd seen him twice already. I knew he was going to kill everyone at this Rutgers camp. So I chose the skill positions, and I do the same thing, Brian. I don't try and find out who kids are until the lunch break. I like to go through the morning session, just see who pops out. And I didn't know what Deion Jennings looked like, and he was one of the guys that popped out to me when I realized who he was, started talking to his dad. Two days later, they, hey, he has an offer. So I enjoyed that aspect of it, and I also I love to pay attention to what the coaches, the Rutgers coaches are doing. Are they, like you said, are they trying to get a certain receiver to go against a certain DB because those are the two best guys in their eyes? That kind of stuff I really like to see. And we saw that a lot at the Rutgers camp where you'd take Eric Wills, who was the top receiver at the camp, and magically he happened to be going against Deion Jennings or Amir Gillis or Hunter Gertz every rep because those were the three DBs that they were looking at. I, I like to see... I like to see how the evaluation process works in person. It's no coincidence that Bryce Watts was going against Tyler Hayek last year, or if I think it was also Shameen Jones was in that group. It's no surprise when things like that happen, because you want to see the best players you have there competing against each other. And I think that's a, a really big thing to look for in these camps. It, you know, it's not... It's not rocket science in terms of being able to figure out who the top guys are. The tricky part becomes where do they fit in after that? What level can they play at? You know, can they play at an Ohio State level, a Rutgers level, a Central Michigan level, a Lehigh level, a Delaware State level? That that's kind of the part where you really start looking deeper. And with the way football's going now, almost every kid you watch you have to keep in mind that's not the position they're going to be playing in college. If you're a if you're a high school DB or a safety, you're probably playing linebacker in college. Or if you're a defensive end, you're probably eventually getting moved to defensive tackle in college. Stuff like that. So you also have to keep in mind that we're talking about 15, 16-year-olds here sometimes that have six years left of growing 
So even if a kid doesn't necessarily show you the right skill set at corner, well, he's going to be a 30-pound heavier safety in three years, so you have to keep that in perspective. I'm going through that right now with a 2020 defensive lineman in Maryland, uh, Brian Bressy from Damascus. Plays defensive end. He's just finishing up his freshman year of high school. His offer list is, you know, whoever, wherever he wants to go, he's going to go, whether it's Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama. But he's 6'4", 260 pounds as a high school freshman. The chances of him staying as a defensive end aren't great. You think he'll move into defensive tackle, and that's what you're looking at. Where will these kids grow? Will they hit a growth spurt? How much are they lifting weights now? How much are they eating now? Are they eating the right way? There's a lot of factors that go into a player's development. Are the coaches developing the player once they get on the campus? I mean, that those are things that you all look at when you're trying to evaluate kids. And, and it's why it makes it difficult for everybody to. It's not, if it was easy, nobody would get anything wrong and it would be boring. Last thing on camps here. Brian, thinking about all the Rutgers camps you covered, you already mentioned Kamoko Teray, so maybe pick something else. But is there a performance or a player that really you still remember seeing at a Rutgers camp? I'll go back to Bo Melton last year. At the 7-on-7, seven seven, look, everybody knows I knew about Bo as a running back, I saw him his first game of his junior year, and, and I remember, you could probably go in his profile and watch the interview where I joke with him. I think he had like an Old Dominion offer, and I said, well, you're going to have a lot more after that. And watching him as a receiver go attack the football and get open over the middle, and when his team needed a play to be made, and I get it, it's seven on seven, but you still have to make plays. He was always there to do it, and he was... Bigger, stronger, more physical than anybody on the field, it seemed, every time I looked at him. I, I just thought, and, and when I say bigger, I just mean thick. And he just looked ready to go. For me, I, I'm going to go with a specific camp. And that's the, the first time that Kyle Flood, they did like a Friday night skills camp. And there was like a big Friday night lights kind of thing, which some of the bigger colleges try to do. And this camp, first off, it was ridiculous because the Special Olympics were that night in uh, at TCNJ. So Kyle Flood came halfway through with a police escort and drove in while there's like, you know, kids doing. Is that the one where he's on the megaphone after asking if anybody lost an iPhone? Yes. Okay. It, it was. Because uh, I always thought of Urban Meyer doing stuff like that. So that was very memorable. <laughs> it was It was also the chance. I didn't realize we could have a performance of a coach. <laughs> yeah. It was also a chance to see a guy like Anthony Chaffee who just committed. But the two things I remember about that camp was, one, there was this receiver underclassman from Delaware called Chris Godwin. Played really well. And I'm pretty sure he's in the NFL somewhere now. I don't really pay attention to the NFL. And then the other one was that was where Rashawn Gary arrived because I think he was either an eighth or ninth grader at the time and, you know, 900 pounds and could still move. And that was when. Wasn't that when he was killing it in the end zone? Probably, yeah. It was like Greg Schiano was kind of the first guy on him, but this was Flood's first cycle. And I think this was where Gary started to come into his own was at that camp too. So that, that stands out to me. Switching gears from the recruiting scene, saying we're going to move to training camp. It's only a few months away. Before you know it, you'll be talking about how you want more access to see what's going on in camp. But one of the exciting things about camp is how 
players have changed in the offseason, what they've done since spring practice. Also, the freshmen coming in, what they look like, what kind of impact they're having. When training camp rolls around, is there one guy that you look at more than anybody else and you say, I want to see what he looks like in camp? A hundred percent. I'm on Team Gio to answer that question. This, Gio Rosinho, you know, for a guy that was the guy last year, he's probably your third favorite candidate to win the job going into the season. And he knows that. So how did he handle the last six months knowing that Rutgers was trying to find someone better than he is? Now, not only that, I'm sure that he worked hard during the offseason, but last year Gio barely, he didn't get a lot of reps in spring. He didn't, he wasn't a a focal point of the program as far as quarterbacks because they were really all in with Chris Laviano. They gave Hayden Reddick a chance. They looked at a lot of different options, and Rochino was only sometimes part of that. This offseason, he was the guy. Until about two weeks ago when other quarterbacks showed up, he was the only guy. So how much does that help his development? Is his ceiling higher than maybe we think, and he was able to build on stuff and use all of his extra experience to get better, or does it not make much of a difference and have we already seen the best of him? I can't wait to see what he looks like in training camp because I'm I'm not betting on him to win the job, but I certainly won't write him off. It is a combo, sort of. When we're talking about on the field, Gennari and Grant. Everybody knows I think he's a really good return guy who has lacked on the offensive side of the ball. I think he's been overrated because of a lack of playmakers kind of elevates his status. He's had a year to sit back, really, and look at things and work on other aspects of his game not associated with speed because he couldn't run with a broken ankle. The slash on it is Jerry Kill, who is a proven play caller, a seasoned coach, coordinator. Where can Kill line up Grant to find success with him? Can he do it? I don't think Grant is a kid that's going to run down the field 40 yards and catch a ball over his shoulder unless he's changed his skill set. I don't think they had enough playmakers in the past to use him on end-arounds, jet sweeps, whatever you want to call it. Can he get off the line of scrimmage on the underneath stuff and catch the ball? We know what he can do in the return game. Um, You would hope the defense is better this year so he actually has a chance in the punt return game. But for me, he's the guy. I want to see if he's developed offensively because, A, it would make him a much better better offense with Rutgers and B if he wants to go to the NFL that's how he's got to at least show that he can do something on third down in the NFL in different packages that will make schools want to give I mean make um, pros want to give him a chance in their camp so for me I'm really curious to see what Grant brings to the table Thanks again, Brian, for joining the show. Make sure you follow Brian Doan on Twitter, not only for the latest on Rutgers football recruiting, but recruiting all over the place. I know I've said this on the show before, but 
there aren't a lot of recruiting team sites out there with the amount of access to a national recruiting analyst, the guy that does the rankings, the guy that covers a region like Brian. One of the real advantages of Scarlet Report over maybe some of the other team sites or markets. So thanks, Brian, again, for giving us some of your time this week. So now I am back in my Piscataway Tech corridor, and we're here for an extended mailbag. Uh, I got so many questions this week, I said, hey, let's make it a full segment. Next week, we'll be back to the normal one on topic and one off topic question. So please feel free to submit those in any of the formats, posting it on the Scarlet Report premium forums or as a member sending me a direct message is the best way to get your question aired. After that, I look towards my Twitter at my at mentions and I check my email shelman at scout.com. So anyway, let's get going with this mailbag. The first question came from Mark F. on Twitter. Mark has two questions. His first question, what's Janarian Grant's health status coming into camp this summer, and how much will his injury affect him going forward? Well, I, I don't think anyone can answer this question except for, you know, Janarian Grant's doctors, but I would say from the buzz that I've heard, from what I've seen, I've bumped into Janarian a couple times since spring ended. I would say he's a lot closer to 100% than he was in spring. In the spring, it's clear that he wasn't the Janarian Grant that you all are used to seeing. He would pull up slow a lot. He, he would be visibly in pain or visibly with a, a limp by the end of practice quite a bit. And by the end of spring, he wasn't doing much at all for precautionary reasons. He seems a lot more involved now. I don't think that that explosion is going to be back until closer to the season but I would say that by the time training camp starts you're going to see Janarian Grant full go in practice and that's what's important. How much will his injury affect him going forward? Honestly I don't know until he takes that first hit. It's different with every player. Look at some of the guys that got hurt and were on a torrid pace and haven't recovered. Look at TJ Taylor who tore his ACL and just hasn't looked the same since. He works hard. He's a great kid, very good in the locker room, and will be a valuable special teams player. But this is a guy we were talking about being the next Kasim Green when he was a recruit, and that knee injury just never recovered. Then you have other guys, snap the fingers. Tim Wright's an NFL big-time player after he injured himself in college. So it really depends on the guy, and we'll see after Janarian Grant takes his first hit against Washington. Mark's second question who do you see as the leaders and potential captains representing the offense this year? Thanks and good luck moving this week. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. I, I uh, not done moving yet, but I got all my stuff in. And I'll tell you what I thought that I thought going behind the scenes at WrestleMania with Eric Legrand was going to be the best part of my year. But I'm gonna say that having my own washer dryer for the first time in my adult life. No coin operation, no driving to a laundromat. Uh, delightful. Anyway, on offense, the, the clear leader captain is Dorian Miller. No question about it. Dorian Miller is my guy, not only for the offense, but for the entire team. Dorian Miller screams leadership, screams maturity. He's a guy that always kept his nose clean when a lot of the people in his recruiting class and around him, his age at Rutgers did not, that's my captain. 
If I have to think outside of that, I think Kyle Bolin will be good for the locker room, but you don't make a grad transfer that just got there a captain. Gio Rossino, same exact thing. If Gio wins the job or is still pushing hard by the end of camp, I could see him maybe being a captain because he does very well behind the scenes. Um, yeah, it's tough after that. It's a good question. Maybe, maybe Robert Martin, he's a guy that, if he's truly bought in the way that he says he is and the way the staff is treating him now, he's your senior running back. He's going to be in front of a lot of cameras. Maybe Robert Martin is another guy that could fill that. So thanks, Mark, for the questions. The next question comes from Paul M. on Twitter. Paul asks, Now that Cable is slowly dying, and therefore the reason why the Big Ten had Rutgers join, do I think that the Big Ten might kick out Rutgers out of the league for another school? Good question, and of course those on social media see that nonsense all the time from, I'm not calling your question nonsense, by the way, but see that stupidity from other fan bases, let's kick Rutgers out. Pay attention. Jim Delaney cashed in big time this year, and adding Rutgers and Maryland's a part of that. And guess what? In a couple years when maybe Cable is a little more dead than it is now, Rutgers is getting a full share of that Big Ten money anyway. Rutgers is going to be in a much better place. No, they're not going to kick Rutgers out. Rutgers does so much for the Big Ten academically, for New York marketing, even if it's not just the cable markets in New York. I mean, heck, having Rutgers in this area, look at look at how rabid the Rutgers fan base is compared to other teams that just went 2-10. and 10. I'll tell you what, the Rutgers fan base is, is a lot stronger than people give it credit for. And no, I don't think Ruck, I don't think the Big Ten would ever kick Rutgers out, especially after what Rutgers has gone through the last couple of years and it was never even entertained. Uh, next question came from one of our premium members, Mike McGee, and he asks, on-topic question, do current players work the camps and or help recruit? Are they allowed to? Yes. Generally, the answer is yes. Uh, it depends on the camp and the coaching style, but yeah, yeah. Kyle Flood gave that opportunity a lot. I think it's happened a little bit with Chris Ash, but I can't really remember. Yes, they can work the camps. We've seen, we've seen that at some of the skill camps, but generally speaking, that's just a way to let the players have a little bit of fun. And I mean, sure, they can help recruit. I mean, if you don't think that Miles Nash is going to help recruit Deion Jennings, well, of course he is. If you don't think that Larry Stevens is talking to Tyler Friday all the time about Rutgers, of course he is. Now, it's up to the players to be good recruiters because, as you know, during during the Kyle Flood era when things were bad, guys were telling their younger teammates, their high school friends that were Rutgers targets, don't come to Rutgers, this place is not a good situation. That has changed. So, yes, they can help recruit and they can work the camps to a certain extent, but I haven't seen any Rutgers players work camps yet this year. Of course, there's only been one camp. Uh, Some of the players will come hang out. Miles Nash came and hung out at the last camp. Uh, Blesson Austin came out after his cornerback workout in the morning. He came out and hung out with Jarrett Paul for a while. Um, trying to think. I think I saw Max Anthony hanging out at camp, giving some pointers, but they weren't really working the camp. They were just hanging out on their day off. Hey, your off-topic question, Sam, why don't you wear ridiculous, awesome T-shirts in the videos anymore? Well, for those that don't 
subscribe to Scarlet Report. Shame on you. Uh, but we do a lot of premium videos. It's like the podcast, but more in depth with more hard information and facts. A lot of the stuff here is theoretical. Um, yeah, I wear a lot of weird shirts. I'm a big dumb wrestling fan, and I have a lot of big dumb wrestling shirts and Star Wars shirts, and you know, I, I have a rock. I think I wore a Rocky shirt in the last video, but I covered it up with my sweat jacket because I was helping Brian shoot some national videos, and you know, West Virginia fans don't need to see me clowning around with a Rocky T-shirt. That's just that's for the Rutgers guys having a little fun. Uh, the stupid T-shirts will be back for our preview videos in the season. So thanks for asking. Brian, via private message, asked, Since Jonathan Lewis is quarterback trainer, that's Matt A. Williams, former Syracuse quarterback, for those that don't know, played for Jerry Kill and is a big fan of his, do I think that helped Jonathan Lewis in preparing for the playbook and how Jerry Kill will do things? Would it be legal for Jerry Kill to reach out to Matt A. Williams and say, have Jonathan work on this? Uh, yeah, that's legal, of course. He can... Jerry Hill can talk to whoever the heck he wants. I'm sure that that relationship helped a little bit, but I'm also positive that Jerry Kill is not calling the same style of game in 2017 that he called in 2002 when he was with Matt A. Williams. I'm not, I'm not sure if that's the exact year, by the way, so don't tweet at me if I got that wrong. Offenses have changed in the last 15 years. Play calling has changed and Jerry Kill is running Chris Ash's ideal system. Keep in mind, he's not the head coach here. He's the offensive coordinator. He will call the plays, but the theme of the offense and the big-time decisions are still dictated by the head coach. Now, with that said, I'm positive that Matt A. Williams has helped Jonathan Lewis prepare for Rutgers, and that relationship with Jerry Kill helped Jonathan Lewis stay solid after Drew Marringer left. But... Why wouldn't Jerry Kill just reach out to Jonathan Lewis? I mean, they're signed. You can talk to him whenever you want. Say, hey, John, I want you to work on this. There's no need for telephone middleman. It, it can help. It always helps to have extra resources. But this is more about the direct relationship between Jonathan Lewis and Jerry Kill. Thanks for the question. Okay, last series of questions here came from Steve C. on Twitter. Uh, his on-topic question which 2017 recruit is going to surprise us the most and which will have the toughest adjustment? Hmm. My biggest surprise is Saeem Simmons out of Carver in Alabama. He's also originally from Jersey City returning home, so it's not like you're talking about a guy from Alabama that's going to have a rough adjustment period. He, he's very comfortable in Piscataway, New Jersey. He's been there for two weeks already. Uh, I picked Simmons not only because I don't think he got the rub that he deserved from the fan base because he was a guy that came on late. There was a little will he won't he will they won't they with his commitment to Rutgers. And again, you're talking about a guy from Alabama, not a guy from Paramus Catholic or whatever. So fans will be generally a little bit less interested or more hesitant, but. This is a guy that was legit being recruited as a gray shirt to Alabama. If you don't know what a gray shirt is, you eventually get on scholarship. And if you, Alabama thinks he's good enough to eventually come on scholarship, then he's good enough to play linebacker at Rutgers. Not only that, he plays with an edge, he plays angry, and he can bring you value on special teams. He can run well enough as a linebacker in some of those kick coverage roles or wedge roles 
And he can long snap. Will he be the long snapper? I mean, I don't know. That might not be the best use of him if he's a starting linebacker or something like that. But he can do it. And Rutgers has shown that it needs a more athletic long snapper at times getting down the field and helping to make tackles. Who will have the toughest adjustment? Jonathan Lewis. (laughs) He's the quarterback. And I'll tell you what, nothing prepares a high school quarterback for the speed of a Big Ten defense or of a Washington defense. I don't care how good Don Bosco Preps defense is or how good Paramus Catholics defense is. That is not the Michigan Wolverines. It is not the third team practice squad guys at Rutgers. That speed of the game and the decisions that you have to make as a freshman quarterback running a no huddle hurry up offense at times That is going to be a huge adjustment for Jonathan Lewis. I think he can do it, but it's going to be a rough start. He is not going to come in from day one and be the next Michael Vick. It's just not going to happen. Steve C. has a couple off-topic questions, and that's how we'll close out our Rutgers mailbag. They're NBA-themed questions, which I appreciate. I'm not only a big, dumb wrestling fan, I'm a big, dumb NBA fan, so thanks for asking. First question, Warriors or Cavs? Trick question, the answer is Wizards. Second question, who is your favorite all-time NBA player? If uh, if I can't pick a Wizard, because Gilbert Arenas is my favorite player ever, but uh, I would say Gary Payton. I'm a huge Gary Payton fan. He and Sean Kemp with the Supersonics when I was younger was so much fun to watch. And whenever I'm playing an NBA video game or anything like that, I always make an effort to get Gary Payton involved in some way. Can't wait to see him in the big, dumb, big three, stupid basketball summer tournament league, which just looks like so much fun. And final question of the mailbag, who's my favorite current NBA player? J.J. Redick. Thanks to everyone that submitted questions this week, especially the off-topic questions, because it's fun to let me and Brian, when he's available for the mailbag, share some of our personality outside of what you see on message boards and Twitter. So keep the questions coming. I don't care if they're weird. I'll take anything. Don't be offended if I don't pick your question because, again, we only pick two every week. Maybe I'll save it for a later week, and you can always just ask me again. I do see them all. So thanks for asking. And with the end of our mailbag there, I guess we'll just go ahead and close out the show. Please, if you have not already, toss us a comment or review in Apple Podcasts, iTunes, whatever you want to call it. It's the best way to support the show. It's the best way to help this show get better. Obviously, it doesn't help me talk better or speak better, but it is very important to do that. It's a great way to support the show. Tell your friends. Share this on Facebook. Again, it's totally free. So is our Scarlet Report Facebook page if you're interested in stopping by and want to peruse the free content profile photos. That's going to ramp up a lot when our latest uh, editorial intern joins the staff in about a month. We'll have more news on that soon. I'm excited to announce that soon. Anyway, all that support in the show, it means even more now because, and I'm sure you noticed, there's more Rutgers podcasts that are coming out since we started ours, what, 61 episodes ago. And I want to continue to make sure that this is the best one available, and that is not only my job, but... Any way that you can help and support the show is great. 
So enough of me begging. I am your host of the Rutgers Scoutcast, Sam Hellman. Stay tuned to that, and thanks for listening.